Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I D O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> I just, I know it's the day after, but I just wanted to say that. Yeah, we hope you guys, for those of you who celebrate Christmas, we hope you had a wonderful day yesterday. Yeah, and a Feliz Navidad. Yes. Showing off my Spanish. <laughs> we are so happy for you guys to be joining us today. Yeah. Hopefully... You are staying warm as the snow is just pounding the northeast. It, it's uh, we're recording this a few weeks before Christmas, and I know we have family. They just got like almost a foot on the east coast, so we're sitting here sweating in Costa Rica. <laughs> I won't rub it in. We hope you're staying warm, enjoying our shows, sharing them with your friends and family. And a few of you guys have purchased the Spark My Relationship course. Uh, 
maybe as a holiday gift to yourself or for your partner. Yeah. But uh, you can still do that. Maybe you forgot to get a present. It's never too late. <laughs> um, at sparkmyrelationship.com. Uh, you can also see that in our show notes. And we have a special link in the show notes that you can use to get a discount as a I Do Podcast listener. Yeah. Or you can just go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you'll be able to uh, automatically get that discount uh, if you are interested in buying the course for you or your partner. So check that out. And uh, we have a great show for you today. Yeah, we had Brian Gleason on the show. And Brian uh, and his wife, his wife, Marsha, didn't join us for the show, but him and his wife have been working with couples for over 30 years. Brian is a licensed clinical social worker. And he also teaches and trains therapists internationally from Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Australia, and Holland. And he's also an author of two books. So we'll have those links of his books on his show notes page. They've been married, Brian and Marsha, for 40 years. So 40 years. He has yeah. a lot of personal and professional knowledge on relationships. And we zero in and talk about sexual intimacy and how to keep that in a long-term relationship. Or, or reignite it. Yeah, or reignite it. And it really doesn't even have to be like... Really, after six months to a year, that's when you need to be doing this stuff because that's when all those great neurochemicals wear off and that initial fire where the sex is just amazing and it's everywhere all the time and that disappears. So Brian has some great useful tools uh, for you to use. And he finishes the episode, our interview with a great little exercise. It takes two seconds. We encourage you to do it with your partner. Uh, You will be better for it. And we just really enjoyed his knowledge and really wisdom that comes from working with couples Mm -hmm. and being in a relationship for that long. Uh, You don't even have to be a relationship expert or therapist when you've been married for 40 years hopefully <laughs> you've learned something right <laughs> yeah you've, and you've learned a thing or two about what works and what doesn't so we hope you guys enjoy today's episode today's show is brought to you by our online course spark my relationship create more passion improve your communication and build a stronger more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Hi, Sarah. How are you? We are doing great. Thank you. Brian, we we like to start our shows by having you tell us and our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, I will try to make a long story reasonably short. I've been married 40 years and I met my wife, Marsha, in graduate school. And I know you guys have been married 10, 15 years, somewhere in there? Uh, We've been together for 10, married four. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, So you have, you know, you have an established relationship. Over the course of that time, you go through a lot. You go through ups and downs. You go through moments where you're saying, why am I married to this person? Maybe I'm not meant to be married. Um, Every kind of a uh, question that rocks the foundation of the relationship comes up. So in a nutshell, Chase and Sarah, um, I think Marsha and I developed a, uh, our approach to working with couples uh, essentially to, uh, you know, to, to recognize what we needed in our relationship and what was missing and how, and how to navigate that. Um, and the best way to do that was to, uh, to read, to work with couples, to work on our on our uh, life issues. You know, you take two people, you put them together in relationship, and um, there's all kinds of chemistry issues and personal idiosyncrasies and differences and gender differences. And 
you got to learn to navigate all that stuff. So it was, I think ultimately I love working with couples because I have found that being in a relationship, a long-term relationship has been the source of my own most, uh, the deep, my own deepest growth has been confronting everything that a relationship asks of us. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the beautiful things about doing this podcast is that we get to experience some of that same feeling and we're not really giving advice. We're getting it, but it's just getting that information, hearing about other people's stories and then applying that information uh, to our own relationship. And today's topic is one that is important and one that having been married for 40 years, you I'm sure can speak (laughs) very personally to, and that is of sexual intimacy, in particular, reestablishing it maybe in a long-term relationship. But uh, we have a lot of questions in regards to this. So why don't we talk and start with establishing sexual intimacy in the beginning? Because, And then we could talk about how we can reestablish it if it's faded, but uh, maybe you can talk about how to establish it in, early in the relationship. Uh, yeah, the the um, the vast majority of couples uh, they seem to do pretty well in the beginning with um, sexuality, and that's not true across the board. But you know, that's the that's the moment where our eroticism is at its highest, where people are most, um, they think about each other, they're excited to meet each other, they can talk to all hours of the night. And that erotic energy obviously translates into the sexual arena. People are physically attracted to each other. So there's that level of which it just sort of flows from when two people come together. Um, But there is still some some basic patterns that can that can kind of be established early on, which will lead to later um, sort of disinterest or uh, what's technically called a hypoactive sex drive as couples, you know, are together for a while. Um, early on in the relationship, Chase and Sarah. Um, when we're attracted to somebody, we 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 release neurochemicals like norepinephrine, um, and they they fire us up. They get us. They you know they make us feel really um, wide awake, and we see color more vividly, and uh, life seems good. Um, but that eros period in a relationship generally lasts from six months to a year, year and a half, and then. If couples are really, um, they're really sensing that they're, they're, this is a, there's a future here, they actually start moving into a kind of a nesting phase, you know, where different, um, different hormones kick in. Oxytocin comes to mind. And in that nesting phase, um, we begin to establish certain patterns of uh, relating that can diminish um, the sexual part of our relationship. So, um, for the vast majority of couples, they are very, um, sexuality comes relatively easy. Um, but there are some things that you need to consider even up front. Like, is there a history of trauma? For instance, if anybody has dealt uh, dealt with, um, any kind of strong trauma, that's going to show up sexually. Um, differences in libido, you know, uh, sometimes one person has a much higher libido than the other, uh, differences in sexual uh, preferences. Um, so even right up front, these things need to somehow be negotiated. And of course it's challenging because right up front, the couples right up front don't want to really trade on to like what's not working, you know? So they, they tend to just go with what is, and that can be the seeds of, of, of problems moving forward. But general differences in libido, gender differences, uh, history of trauma, uh, and uh, probably a couple other factors that are not coming to mind right now also influence right from the get-go um, our sexual 
um, you know, the, the, the health of our sexual relationship with it. Are any of those four main things you just mentioned, like libido and those things, are any of those factors that could make a couple incompatible if they're so different in certain areas? Um, I, I think the, the simple answer is it's yes, possibly. Um, however, what what I've kind of seen over many, many years, Sarah, is that um, oftentimes the couples that tend to move into the commitment phase and the long-term commitment of the relationship. They're not, they're not always the ones that have the easiest time with their sexuality. Like there are some couples, you probably know them, maybe you're one yourself, um, that just the sex just, you know, happens. It's great. And it's a, it's a large factor in the relationship, but somehow it seems that um, couples that tend to settle into long-term relationships, the sexual piece isn't isn't the biggest component. It's the heart. It's the integrity. It's the compatibility. It's the desire to, you know, have a family or to uh, lead a particular life with another human being. So, yes, it can be a problem when the sexuality is is just if it's way too different, it's going to be a problem. But if there's just stuff to navigate. You know, I encourage people all the time to, you know, you can learn. You can learn to improve your sex life and to work through some of the difficulties much more easily than you can learn how to develop a heart-loving relationship with somebody. So if you got that going for you, the other stuff's workable. Obviously, there's a lot of different angles to talking about sexuality and intimacy in the relationship. And a lot of the factors that you mentioned – deserve their own podcast in themselves. So why don't we zero in and talk about keeping the spark alive? Like you said, the first six months to a year, because of neurochemistry, are it's just really biologically a lot easier to have that drive to it, it's it's what evolution has created to to help in pair bonding and and uh pass on our genes really and and then when that goes away it that's when the work starts so if only we could tap into that neurochemistry on demand uh for instance 40 years into a marriage like yourself <laughs> that would be a, a wonderful thing so what can partners do? And it doesn't have to be, like you said, I mean, it could be six months and, and, and that starts to go away. So suddenly you're a year in and you're like, man, like this is not like when we first got together, what's wrong or how can we improve? So what are some things couples can do to keep that intimacy alive? Yeah, it's, it's the, uh, it's the golden question. And, uh, and there are things, you know, there's, I think there's there's a lot of things. Um, I think it begins chase with with recognizing that sex is a is an important part of a relationship of a committed relationship, and sometimes, um, and you may experience some of this yourself. You know, having a having a daughter, right? Yes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. That we our energy can be taken away from uh, the sexual arena. Uh, and, and actually I like to say that we have like four distinct relationships when we get married, we have a business relationship, which is all the business of life. It's household, it's jobs, it's raising kids. It's all the businessy stuff. We have an erotic relationship, which is our, our sexuality. If you're in a monogamous relationship, it's, it's, it's what separates it from all other relationships. There's the play relationship, you know, you guys like to do the same things, go skiing, go to movies, go to art galleries, whatever it is that, that your playmate and you do together. And then there's what I describe as the intimate relationship, which is where, you know, you talk about when stuff gets tough and you had a hard day and you're scared and you're needy and, you know, and you're missing each other and what's going on between us. All of that stuff falls into the, the, the fourth kind of relationship. And the problem is we sometimes, if you evaluate how your relationship is progressing, you, you might find 
that um, too much time is being spent, let's say, in the business part of the relationship, which which sort of de-eroticizes um, the relationship because you're talking so much about what needs to get done. So, uh, um, so that's a challenge in terms of you know your question that how do we keep it alive? Is we need to we need to attend to the erotic relationship, um, you know, consciously because it's just, it just in the beginning it happens naturally. Over time, you have to bring attention to it, you know. So, um, Marsha and I like to say, you know, when does sex begin? You know, and sex can begin on a, on a Wednesday, even though you don't actually get in bed and, and have a sexual physical encounter until Saturday night. When you look at each other and, and you let yourself feel your attraction, you look at each other's bodies and say, hmm, she looks great today. Hmm, he looks hot. You know, and you let that charge be in you and you let it build over over a course of days. Um that kind of thing can help to rekindle, you know, the sort of natural progression of uh, of uh, a diminishment of, of erotic energy. There's other pieces, other other parts to that question too. I don't know how and how much you want me to get into it. No, uh, well, I just want to point out. I really like how you broke down these four areas of a relationship and. Because I think ultimately, personally, that really hits home because we do wear different hats in life in general. Like the person I am when I'm at work is not the person I am when I'm at home, etc. And like you're pointing out, that that's kind of the same in a relationship. And <laughs> that's part of what makes it so difficult is... Life has ups and downs. So if you're experiencing financial troubles in your relationship, the last thing that you have energy and time for is figuring out how to make things more exciting in the bedroom. It's like there's a certain amount of physical and mental energy that we have each day, each minute. And as a parent, there's another thing. And if we're dealing with a, a toddler that is being a toddler <laughs> and crazy or, or you name it, or we're trying to figure out what's best for her and her development, what school they're going to, that's our parental hat. And again, it, it, that's taking time and energy away from any number of the four areas that you mentioned in the relationship. So I think just being aware of that. And, and like you said, like if you're spending too much time on the business end, obviously things need to be done, right? Like at the end of the day, like the bills aren't going to pay themselves because you want to have more sex. <laughs> you know, you have to address the things in life that come up and maybe just recognizing, hey, we've, we're spending a lot of energy over the last few weeks on the business side of our relationship. Let's go on a date night. You know, we deserve it. And, and maybe it's about finding that balance where let's say each of the four is 25% of the relationship. They make up the whole, they're not always going to be 25%. Sometimes business goes way up. Sometimes it goes down, but making sure that over an extended period of time, they don't get, way out of whack and and stay that way. So I'm kind of talking this through, but to me, that is uh, something personally, I think we've experienced in our relationship and it might be a good way to to look at it going forward uh, for our listeners and, and for Sarah and I. Yeah. And I think we're kindred spirits because you guys have uh, a business life together as Marsha and I do. And, you know, so it's really easy to, to, or, you know, more of the energy that is healthy to go to what needs to get done. And and here's the thing about that, that even when, you know, even when we do the things that need to get done, uh, over time, we start to, um, we start to get familiar with the business relationship and comfortable in it. And in a way, sort of unconsciously, we, you know, we, we gravitate there. 
even though we don't necessarily need to be there, um, because the shift to going into an erotic sexual contact um, requires a, a shift in energy. You know, it's like if you're laying home watching TV and then you say, um, I need to go to the, the gym, you know, it requires a major shift of energy to get up out of the, off the couch and out the door of the gym. Kind of similar, you know, it's like if we spend all this time in familiar territory of the business relationship or the uh, play relationship, um, we just naturally want to stay there and we resist um, going into, okay, let's be romantic. Let's, let's, let's bring sexuality back. And, and, and that's where couples get in trouble over time. It's like um, they, they, there's more and more resistance to initiating. For many couples, it's not like once they cross the threshold into um, uh, they're in the sexual experience, um, they have good, a lot of couples have really good sex life. But the initiating becomes the issue. Like, who's going to say, I want to make love to you? Who's going to say, let's have sex? Who's going to say, I really miss your body, you know? Um, it's a vulnerable thing to say. And we sort of gravitate toward the other ways that we relate uh, because it's vulnerable. Do you have any tips for those couples who want to have, maybe want to initiate it more, but have the problem or the issue with the starting the conversation or being the first one to do it or really just getting in the mood to do it because I know for me for example if if the if there's a full sink of dishes and there's dirty clothes and there's Stella running around the last thing I'm thinking about is initiating you know intimacy or sex with Chase so do you have any advice on the dialogue that maybe a partner they can have with each other so that there's a little bit of an understanding of the context around those feelings? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Beauty by Design. Ladies, I hate to say it, but we're getting older. And I don't know about you, but I want to have amazing skin that makes me feel confident and sexy. What really sucks is that there are so many products out there. There's no clue what you're buying and if it's right for you. But I found the perfect solution. It's called Beauty by Design. And here's how it works. You take a quick skin survey, snap a selfie and voila. Your esthetician creates a personalized skincare routine specifically for you. You'll get unlimited expert guidance from a licensed esthetician. Plus, you can text your esthetician with questions anytime. It's like having your own skin concierge. Beauty by Design offers over 100 cleansers, moisturizers, serums, eye creams, and more that are formulated with over 250 organic ingredients. All their products are vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate free and made with no synthetic fragrances or hormone disruptors. Beauty by Design offers personalized skincare at budget-friendly price points. When matching you to products, your esthetician always keeps your budget into consideration. You can order products whenever you want to. There's no subscription, no obligation, and no risks. Shipping and returns are free. To experience the world's most personalized skincare, go to beautybydesign.com slash I do and use the promo code I do today. First time customers get 20% off. That's beautybydesign.com slash I do and use the promo code I do. I think that's where it actually begins is, is the willingness to dialogue around um, challenges around how how vulnerable it feels to say I desire you, you know, or if you're on the receiving end to be able to say yes, you know, because sometimes the person who is experiencing the desire, they might be a little more primed and ready, but the person who's hearing it is in a different world, you know. So people can, people can get injured in that place, you know. If, if I say to Marsha. I'm really, you know, I really desire you. And she says, not now, I'm not in the mood or I got too much to do. There's an ouch in my heart, you know, and then I get over time, I get less and less willing to step forward. So what you're saying, Sarah, is like critical is like, we need to be able to um, start with, let's talk about um, how we can have 
a good sex life with each other. And um, Marsha and I have, have have come to describe, distinguish between great sex and um, exceptional sex because we call our work exceptional relationships. Um, great sex is when everything goes okay, you know, and you have mutual orgasms and, you know, um, both partners just feel really into it, you know, and it's, it's wonderful when that happens. And the longer you're in a relationship, you know, probably the fewer and farther between those experiences just happen automatically. Exceptional sex is you enter into an intention to move into a sexual contact with whatever's there. So it may be I'm a little shy to ask right now, or I feel a little vulnerable, um, or I want to know where, where you're at. I've been thinking about it. Um, and you start with the truth of your own inner feelings around approaching your partner, which are, you know, which oftentimes involve um, caution, resistance, and vulnerability. So if couples can just recognize that um, it just doesn't work the way it did in the beginning, where somebody says, Oh, I'm so hot for you, let's go to bed, and the other one says, Yeah, that. You have to meet each other as human beings in the conditions that you exist in. And so I like to say we have to lean into sex, you know, not like just kick down the door, you know. Is that sort of what you're asking, Sarah? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, it's important to just have that dialogue in general, because like you mentioned, if I'm not in the mood, for example, and, and Chase is trying to initiate with me and I, let's say, turn him down, for example, but there's no context or pre-conversation to say, hey, like the reason I'm turning you down is because of this and this and this, then it could simply turn into resentment and, and him feeling rejected versus understanding that there's, you know, context behind the situation. And, and the reason I'm not feeling this way isn't because I don't desire him, but it's because of, you know, our life issues at the current moment. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. And um, I think the person who is in the position where they feel a no has an obligation to soften the no to Welcome the initiation, even though the actual experience is in this moment, you're not prepared for it. Because what happens is people feel like it's a rejection of the initiation, you know. And so if Chase, you know, you say, you know, you know, I really feel like I'd love to make love to you tonight. And just Sarah just says, no, no, I, I got too much to do. You know, again, there's an ouch, and then there's a you know a slow cumulative buildup of self-protection, so that you're less and less likely to ask. But if Sarah, you were to say, "Oh, I so appreciate your asking," <clears throat> and um, uh, right now I need you know I need you to just let you know what's going on because it's hard for me to switch gears, and maybe I can't. <clears throat> But maybe I can if we dialogue for 10 minutes and talk about what needs to get done. And if I can't, I'd like to, you know, if it's just it's just not the right timing for me, I'd like to uh, bring it back up maybe tomorrow, you know, and, and revisit it because I really like that you that you brought it up. It's such an important point in that understanding the nuances of a lot of things in relationships, but something seemingly simple but it is if you know anything it's not of like sexuality in the relationship and it's a it's like a lot of things a lot more complicated than one partner saying hey let's have sex the other saying no and then and feelings of rejection and and then resentment and and everything whereas as you outlined if one partner explains why they're not and then even offers a solution. It doesn't have to be a solution of like um, ultimately having sex. But if it if it is something like, oh, you know what would help me in explaining, then 
you're going to be in a much better spot, even if you don't become intimate. Because like Sarah mentioned earlier, and we always got to do a better job of we're still working on this, but I know Sarah feels better when like the house is clean. And if you told a lot of guys out there, it which stereotypically, and it's not always the case, but men feel like they want to have sex more. But that's actually, I think there's all sorts of things to unpack there because the female libido can be quite high. Um, But what I'm getting to is the simple thing of having a clean kitchen, let's take the leap and say, could lead to more sex in my relationship. It's there are two things that seem very <laughs> in our relationship seem very disconnected, but they they're intimately connected. And I think we don't draw those lines because we we tend to separate sexuality into at least I do into like it's just this feeling you get and and then there's not all this external stuff that in truth is there of feeling safe, feeling um, loved and desired desired, and, and feeling like your house is in order and things aren't in chaos will lead one partner or another. Any combination of all these external things that are seemingly disconnected will lead them to have a higher sex drive or to desire their partner more. I think that's just an important thing to recognize, even for myself, because I know it, but it's easy to forget. And then to make that effort, it's like, I can say I want to have more sex, but if I'm not doing the things as a partner to make Sarah feel more likely to to do it or, or to want to, not to like coerce or into doing it by, you know, like, like it's manipulative, but those are things that make her feel loved that that I'm making an effort to keep the house clean, uh, to take initiative with our daughter, then that creates more intimacy in a deeper connection at the, and that may not even lead to sex, but that's going to lead to a better relationship. But likely sexuality is tied into all these things. Then you're probably going to have a more satisfactory sex life yes because you know because for for stuff for a lot of us maybe all of us um we need to feel valued and loved um uh, in order to feel open you know to feel sexually open to feel willing to feel safe and you know if the kitchen's being a mess you know is something that just is in the back of your mind, Sarah, like, and it just, you you know, it just, you can't move forward as long as that's happening. You know, you don't, you can't relax into it. So there's that part of the actual reality of getting it done. But even bigger is the sense of knowing that Chase values you and values what's important to you. You know, that there's something erotic in, in seeing him step up in, in that way. So, um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more, Chase. That I think that that um, you know the attentiveness to that stuff is a, is a sign of us valuing our partner, which is you know if we want to you know again in the beginning we just we just go for it you know the, the sex leads later the sex follows you know the sex follows some of these other things so um, you know we we have a much more three dimensional relationship you know. 10 years into a relationship than we did 10 weeks into a relationship. And so we have to take into account all those other parts of who our partner is. I actually um, just went to a workshop last night with a couple girlfriends um, on intimacy. And there was a lot of sharing going around the circle. And and one of the common themes among all the women that had been in a long-term relationship was that they needed to feel loved and desired prior to leading up to having sex with their partner. So it's, it wasn't, it wasn't 
the the fact of them feeling love during the act it's it's prior to it so it was like knowing that it was important for I'm just using the dishes again the dishes to be done so like their partner doing that and and kind of making them feel desired before their before sex was initiated because it it made then the 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 act of sex the intimacy so much better because they were kind of really in the moment focused on their partner and and not thinking about everything else and and truly felt loved by their partner and desired yes and and this this touches on um kind of what i would describe as a dynamic tension between often between men and women, but it can be true in a, uh, in same sex relationship as well. Um, that one partner, typically the woman, as you just described, needs to feel desired, needs to feel courted, needs to feel, you know, a tenderness coming from the, needs to feel a romantic prelude, you know, to, to open up sexually. And the, but the dynamic tension is that sometimes, you know, it's also true that it works the other way for a lot of men that as they um, open up erotically and sexually, it then opens their heart and makes them feel softer and makes them want to do anything for you, you know? And so I think what it boils down to is that when you're in that relationship where one person leads with their pelvis and one person leads with their heart, to simplify it, that you need to respect both of those things, you know? And I don't know if this is the case for you, Chase, but it certainly has been for me that, you know, when I had have a sexual encounter with Marcia, uh, I just feel softer. I feel like I would do anything for her. Not that I don't intellectually feel that at other times, but it's just like my whole being is more tender and soft with her, you know? So, uh, yeah, so I think that in sometimes you need to be able to say as a man, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, romance her and I'm going to make her feel special and I'm going to do these things and that opens her up. And sometimes as a woman, you need to say, I'm just going to have a quickie with him because I know it leads to good things. I can't agree more. And, and I think that among the many other things of human beings just being complex creatures and getting two of them together is going <laughs> to be hard. But that in going along gender stereotypes and roles, but it does seem that men, like you said, tend to lead with the pelvis and women with the, with the heart and emotions. And, and that's why it's so important to do everything we're talking about that communication in as a, as a, as a man or, or a woman, you know, the roles could be reversed. It's not down the line. But if, if you feel like sex is, helps you to then connect or vice versa, recognizing that, recognizing that your partner likely is not the same and you're going to have a greater empathy for them and, and that, and, and you won't feel necessarily rejected. Cause it's like, I am definitely that way. Like I don't need the house in order. I don't need, I mean, certainly it helps like if our relationship is in a good place, but ultimately it's to me a, a much more primal, just kind of urge and, and for Sarah and maybe a lot of our listeners, it's not that. And, and so I need to recognize that. And then we both need to recognize each other's. And, and like you said, I think that's so valuable if that I can do the work and, and to make Sarah feel loved. And regardless of the outcome, we're going to be better place. And then Sarah could say, yeah, let, you know, let's do a quickie because I know that that is going to help Chase open up. And he likes that. And she might not necessarily internally love like that's not what she wants to lead with but she knows in the same way that i know a clean kitchen <laughs> helps her feel good that that that's going to help me feel good so we we kind of need to recognize that in each other and uh and and try to keep that balance and 
and move forward that way. But I think that's, uh, that's why <laughs> it's easier said than done, like a lot of the things we talk about. But recognizing that in, in the information uh, you've given us, I think uh, will help uh, Sarah and I and our listeners implement it in, in trial and error. Like if you just continue to go and do what you've been doing and you're, you're not happy, you feel like you're drifting apart, things are not going to change. So um, using these tools and before we wrap up, Brian, uh, are there any specific things we can do besides recognizing, you know, what I just said, all these things in our partner, what can we do to, to keep things interesting um, 10, 20, 30, 40 years into a relationship? Yeah, great question, Chase. You know, uh, I know I know in working with couples, some of them in their 60s and have been around their marriages for a long time, that, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, easy, easy to do things. You know, one of them is like, ask your partner, you know, how, how she likes you to dress, you know, what, what turns them on and be willing to do that. Even if it's not like the way you would normally dress, you know, uh, you know, to some extent you, you want to, uh, you don't want to look like somebody that doesn't look anything like you, but, um, but it is useful to, uh, to want to encourage those parts in your partner that allow them to feel attracted to you and, you know, in the highest degree possible. So just something simple like that. Um, I, I think that it's the recognition, uh, Chase and Sarah, that as we age, you know, as we've been in relationship for, uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, um, oftentimes we don't lead with we're aroused. We lead with the intention to have a, a sexual encounter. So like when I was 25, you know, I'd be aroused and I'd say, let's have sex, you know. Now, it doesn't start with the arousal. It starts with an intention. Like, I want to make love to you. And even though I'm not particularly aroused in this moment, but once we move into that, you know, then the turn on happens. So I think this isn't true for everybody or for a lot of couples. They need to be willing to set the intention to have uh, an erotic experience, even though neither of them is particularly feeling horny in the moment. So that's that's also useful. Um, Again, just to go back to the four types of relationships, you need to be able to uh, say the erotic relationship is really crucial. That when we don't have sex for, and, and I don't think there's any norm to what is, you know, healthy around uh, frequency. But, you know, if you go too long, one of the things that happens is you start getting what I describe as brittle toward each other. You snap at each other more, you're, you know, you, you, you judge each other, you see each other's fault more. Um, and that's often a red flag that, you know, that you, you, you've gone too long without sex. So you need to build it in. You need to say this is an important part of our relationship, even though it may not, we may not have the same libidos we had 20 years ago. And I think the last thing I would say is that um, it's, it can be very useful, you know, because sex, you know, Moving into sex isn't always about sex. It's sometimes about need for approval, sometimes about control, it's sometimes about uh, reassurance. Um, and if your partner approaches you and you're feeling their neediness and that you have to take care of them, that's not a particularly erotic thing. So you want to be able to know that you have, I like to describe it as three different energies and it's you guys can just stand in front of each other sometime today or whatever and just use these three phrases and see how they feel and the first one is i want you which is sort of the erotic right and then there's the i need you which is sort of uh you know the 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 young parts of you that need your partner to help you to to love you to reassure you and the third one is i love you if you just stand there and play with those energies, you'd be surprised at what it brings up. So I want you, and just breathe with it, say it a few times. I need you, 
breathe with it, stay it a few times, and, and I love you. And you breathe with it and say it a few times. Um, it can actually really open stuff up. What a beautiful thing to leave us and our listeners with. I Even just hearing you say that, it, it seems like it would be a powerful exercise and one that I encourage everyone to try. I know Sarah and I, I'm... I don't know. We have to make the time <laughs> to do it. But uh, it's really a beautiful exercise to leave us with. So we appreciate that, Brian, and all of the great information you've given us today. So why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. All right. Um, well, it's easy. I'm at um, com. And there's a lot of articles. I do a blog post on there, and there's some some good stuff for you to uh, track down if you're looking to, you know, improve your committed relationship. And that's pretty much it. That's that's where you get in touch with me. Excellent. Well, we'll have the link to your website on your show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And our listeners know there to check out uh, your website and all the great resources that you've given us today. And Brian, we really appreciate you for uh, joining us on the show. Thank you so much. And I applaud what you guys do. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock, and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com